podcast is the side boob of sad men. <laughs> I feel like that works. Um, I'm Jackie. I'm here with Pam, who I just made coffee for. Hello. And we have a special, special guest, the brain, head, heart, body, soul <laughs> of Sad Meg, the creative director and co-publisher, Katie Stewart is with us. Hello, Katie. Yay, Katie. Hey, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you very much. It's also the day after your birthday. Yeah. How does it feel to be the age you are? 33. Uh, Jesus' I, birthday. Jesus' birthday. I feel good. I've been waiting for this Jesus' birthday for a long time. Why? What's special about it? There's a lot of pressure, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus, 33, <laughs> uh, what did he do? Well, he died, exactly. and then he I rose mean, from the dead and saved the world, so like, Ish. he got some big shoes to fill in, sandals. <laughs> save is, oh, we just missed the beautiful cat picture. Save is like, I mean, can you save the world? I mean, I'm, I feel yeah, like no, that's no, still no. up for There was no saving, but he did have a homoerotic experience in the cave. Oh, so you got that down already, way before he Yeah, yeah, exactly. Check. Now I know this year you've been mm, not super birthday celebration oriented. Mm-hmm. Is that because of the pressure of 33 or is it for other reasons? I don't know. I feel like I've been told by some previous partners that I my birthday I take too seriously. Ah. <laughs> and it becomes such a huge thing. Because there's three of us, my my two other best friends, we all have birthdays in a row. So it's June 16th, then my birthday, July 15th, and then August 1st. And every, that that cycle of birthdays becomes this like, what are we going to do next? Oh, no. Are we going to go on, a, are we renting a cabin? Are we driving to Leavenworth? Are we surprising each other with like <laughs> the sound of music tickets in the mountains? Oh, and no. so they just kept getting right. more and more ridiculous. Is everything a letdown though because of that? Kind of? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Like it doesn't even matter what we do. It's just to, like to it's be It's like excited. a trilogy. It's like a summer yeah. trio exactly. of birthdays. And, and inevitably, everyone gets super excited about the first birthday and then the middle birthday. They're still excited, and then by the time it's Nicole's birthday, nobody cares anymore. Should we go to the Pride Parade? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens. Wow. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just had this really overwhelming urge to leave town for my birthday. Like, mm. I just didn't want to be here because I just want to chill. I did that. I feel like I had one of those this year where I had like some weird idea about like flipping the birthday order and taking everyone out for birthday dates and then I didn't do it I didn't do a single one or did one I don't know I feel like I for completely separate reasons a month before my birthday gathered all of my friends to kind of indulge me in a spa day and then sometime during that day I realized oh this is kind of like my birthday party (laughs) except my birthday's not for a month and then I think I was like surprise birthday party like I was like (laughs) surprised you for my birthday Um, and then when my actual birthday came around, I don't think, I don't think I did anything. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think my then girlfriend made me a beautiful dinner and it was fun or whatever, but I don't, I didn't for brunch maybe. I don't know. There was like, it wasn't a very big deal and that was actually great. Mm -hmm. I think I've suffered from really high expectations for birthdays before and it just kind of, this age, it becomes a bit of a boner killer. (laughs) I don't know. It's fun to be able to recognize your birthday Mm -hmm. sometimes in some ways, but sometimes it's like, just. Yeah. I feel like I overdid it for the 30th and then I just gonna lay low. What did you do for your 30th? Well, I had everyone over, and then I, I rented a limo. Mm-hmm. That thinking, was so stressful. Thinking it would be very fun, and then they, stressful. and then I was like, okay, everyone, let's go outside so we can, like, get into this limo, and then it wasn't there, and it was over half an hour late, and we're all waiting in the lobby of my apartment, and people with apartments near were very complaining, because we were loud, Aww. and, you know, we get in this 
limo and I think it's gonna be fun and everyone's just like, let's just get there. Like no one, Aww. I don't know. It just it, it didn't really work out. So whatever, it was fine at the end. That's just the part I remember, waiting and it being awkward. Like, you, we kind of lost momentum, you right. know? Yeah. Boner killer. It was a time. <laughs> and I, for that reason, complained to the limo company and they gave me half a refund. Half a refund. Oh, I good. thought you were about to say, like, half off the next time. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think we're going to need a party bus. Oh, negative, so negative. I, yeah. I want to lay down a big fat veto on a party bus. Oh, come on. No, I'm that person. A Pammy bus? Well, I don't... Unless the party is the bus. Like, we're just on a bus the whole time and that's the party. Maybe. That sounds terrible. Thank you. Then why would you even want a portion of that? <laughs> well, I guess just because... So you can keep drinking in the cab. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very cost-efficient way to travel. No, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like anytime... This is why I'm very nervous about the wedding, you know, because anytime you spend time planning a party, you're just, like, setting yourself up to fail. Well, I feel like maybe considering a party as a, like, a pass-fail is the first problem. Like, I feel like you just have to be able to kind of decide whether or not you want to have fun that night, or you want to, like, sort of foster the most fun for the most people. Especially well, see, especially this is yourself. what was happening at my birthday, and yeah. we were in the limo, and I felt everyone waning. I was like, yay, come on, and I was, like, like trying to be a cheerleader, and oh. Bill made fun of me hardcore. Uh-oh. Was okay. he in the, he was, he there, was there, and he made fun of me. Oh. Careful, I won't, I won't, I won't put this on the, the podcast, so. Well, I don't care. He, he, he knows what he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, um... Pammy here is getting married very soon, and um, we're all very excited for her. Um, and we're all, I feel like, living some of that wedding experience vicariously through her. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's cool. Um, so, Katie is here, and we want to make the most use of that. We want to talk about, while well, looking at like a semi naked picture of my friend. Oops. I think we were we took well, naked this pictures is unfair, of each other because listeners cannot see. I'll have to post them on the blog. <laughs> uh, sadcast.ca. How do I fucking make this full screen? I feel like every podcast features me being somewhat frustrated with my computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you guys watched that? Um, was it on Netflix? I don't know that um, Polaroid documentary. It's very no. Good. no, is it on Netflix? Uh, it might have been on American. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, Oh, that sounds good. It was really good. Yeah. It's a little bit a documentary about the company that sort of has sought to replace them after they shut down, but it's a lot. Oh, The Impossible Project? Yeah. I think that might be the name of the movie. Oh, interesting. But, um, but it's, I didn't really know anything about it, and so it's like a pretty good, fairly, like, I think I cried. Like, it's a pretty loving tribute to the, to the Polaroid, to Polaroid artists, to a certain kind of photography. And, um, and then a kind of, there's a fairly dramatic story arc relating to whether or not the scientists can figure out a way to, like, remake Mm -hmm. something Polaroid-ish, um, with, uh, no longer having access to a certain material that was fundamental to the previous process. Oh, so that was the big gap. Yeah. Because I bought a bunch of the film from the Impossible Project in New York City. I was like, I'm going to spend $200 on a film. You can get it online, too. Yeah. None of it worked. (gasps) 
And actually, the worst part, what? the worst part. You gotta tell them though. I think I did. I yeah. did tell them, but the uh, the worst part is that I did a shoot in Toronto, Geneva B for the transplant issue, and we're talking in the middle of the street in Toronto what? with like. There was like an ambulance going by. Wow. Everything was awesome. Like streetcars were gorgeous. And I shot this film, Polaroid film, and it was developing really slowly. And then it started smelling funny. Oh, and there was like a little brown dot in the very, very center of the frame. And as over time, it just kept growing. No. So it actually continued developing in my like travel bag and I'm going back oh, home God, to Vancouver crap, yeah. and the whole thing smells like burnt chemicals and because it's, the film kept developing. This is the thing and this is what's so amazing about that documentary or at least about Polaroid is that there's like a really fucking amazing science project happening in every single picture. Like the thing on the bottom is a pouch of chemicals. Yes. <laughs> so and the battery is in the bottom. Oh, it's amazing. So, so many good things. I love Polaroid. Uh, love, love instant film so much. Never For people who listen to the podcast who've never even heard of Sad Mag and never seen it in their hands, what um, what is it right now? Yeah, answer that question first. Like, what is, what is right Sad Mag? Yeah, the magazine. It is a beautiful print publication mm -hmm. based out of Vancouver, BC, that focuses on fucking awesome stories, art, and design. <laughs> so intense. <laughs> that was very intense. Um, um, I'm okay. working on my elevator pitch. Yeah, I, I feel like <laughs> I'll have to consult okay, let's, let's have some consultation on that. Yeah. <laughs> a little blurb at the end of your um, email signature is perfect. I'll copy and paste of that. That's our manifesto. So, Sad Mag is an independent Vancouver publication featuring fucking awesome stories, art, and design. <laughs> it doesn't say fucking awesome, but go on. Founded in 2009, as I mentioned, we publish the best of contemporary and emerging artists with a focus on an inclusivity of voices and views exceptional design by Pam Reynolds and film <laughs> photography. That's good. That's good. Fuji that's a nice new that's a new uh, that's statement. That's a mouthful. Yeah. That's it's pretty wordy though. I feel like it's a little bit <laughs> <I keep> <laughs> attention. <laughs> yeah. Although we've lost um, volunteer run. I guess that's because we mm -hmm. want to shed it maybe. No. Well I think it's an, it's an important aspect but we want to focus on what we're doing as opposed to the people who are creating it. Yeah, although I feel like for me, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I feel like it gives us more cred that none of us get paid. <laughs> to me, it's like, you know. Oh, you do most, this and you don't get it's paid? It's the most pro-ass zine there is, right? If you want to call it a zine, then you understand that probably you're not getting paid for it, but if you if you say magazine, it's like, oh, okay, I don't know, maybe maybe they get paid, or I don't know, there's honorarium There was no wealthy benefactor like behind Yeah, like, do you no. guys know any? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're also the person who wants to sponsor a magazine, we've got a tight ship running here. In fact, I have But you ha we'll have no say. I had a friend of mine who I gave a couple <laughs> we'll of magazines. Take your money and thank you. <laughs> in D.C., and she was like, I want to get a sad night going here. And I was like, Interesting. I can't even begin to explain how to start a sad night. <laughs> you need a Katie Stewart. You need somebody, a Katie. No. You, do, <laughs> well, you need true. a Brandon Uckle or a Katie. Like, you need somebody who's kind of crazy enough to want to do something that's basically impossible and will probably never make money. Devote a ton of time to it because they care about it and are passionate about it. And then also be the kind of person, which you are, who... Mm, I don't know if you think of it as a hobby, but you definitely go out of your way to nurture contacts with artists in the city. And build relationships and just get to know people mm -hmm. and also kind of elicit 
help from people who are interested in learning about ways to improve in the ways that you might need. Like, you're a sort of masterful networker in a way that's about kind of enabling people artistically. And that's a beautiful quality. Jane, that's so sweet. <laughs> I feel like it's all true. of those things working together are still just an unconscious, it's an unconscious root of the fact that what I really, really enjoy about Sadbang is that when we get together and we have ideas about what we're going to put into an issue, it makes me see the city in a completely different light. That's really true, actually. And it yeah. adds meaning. So I'm looking at things and I'm like, oh, that would be perfect for this. Can you imagine like walking through your life mm. and like everything that you see, you're, you're mapping out connections in your brain? Right. It's so nice. It's so, mm. It just makes my experience of living here so much richer. I definitely find that for me, becoming involved with Sadmeg, I think initially three years ago, um, was an essential part of me becoming a person who didn't just study here or have studied here, but lived here and like kind of cared about living here and was interested in what was happening here. And, and I guess in some way becoming part of the piece of what's happening here in the sense of making something and contributing. But, you know, I, I feel like every band we've ever featured, every <laughs> um, artist whose show I've ever gone to, every like gallery I've discovered, every weird writer, weird nuance of the city. I mean, those to me become, it becomes my story of the city. So I think, I think there's something, I mean, I guess when I try to explain to people why it's called Sad Mag, I mean, other than what it's become, which is stories, art, design, mm -hmm. I, I do feel like it succeeds at being the thing that rolls an eye at Vancouver as being sad mm -hmm. and boring. Right? It's not like it's like look at our sad city. This <laughs> is sad mag of our sad city. It's not sad at all. It's mm -hmm. really fucking fascinating. We have to kind of scratch a little bit. A scratching mag. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else that's listening, the thing that I'm obsessed with is Inside Out, which is the <laughs> Disney Pixar movie. I think we can all agree that Pixar makes exceptional movies without being weird about it. And that Disney makes very weird movies that sort of pervert our culture in a strange way, but can occasionally be inspiring, like The Little Mermaid. But, <laughs> I don't know. No, this movie is for, uh, you know, kids and adults. It's for like kids I... and adults, but it's not even just like a, it works for kids and adults. It's like, I personally think that Inside Out like, is revolutionary and completely shifts the way young people and also adults can think about not just parenting or emotional development, but also kind of empathy and um, just the space for emotions in life in a way that no cultural product, book, opera, anything, whatever, that I've ever encountered has ever done for me. To me, it's earth shattering. That being said, I will caveat hugely, having now seen it twice, that um, the movie is very profoundly impacting on me because I moved when I was nine. So mm. this is a movie about a young girl moving um, and the kind of emotional upheaval that comes with that where all of her emotions are personified in her head. So the movie is half in her head, an adventure that her emotions are taking mm -hmm. and half the actual life that isn't where there's no awareness of the emotion controls of, of, of this young girl's mind. I'm 
blown out of the water. Like, I'm very impressed with this movie. And I think it's mandatory. And when I told my ex, who's very, like, would never see a Disney movie mm-hmm. about it, she just immediately dug her heels in and was like, I'm never going to see it. And I've made it this thing where I'm like, no, you must see it. <laughs> like, you oh. have to see it. Why? Yeah, yeah. Now I can, I feel like I can tease her for not wanting to see it because... Well, I mean, jump on the bandwagon. I don't know. There have been so many people that have recommended this movie to me, and they're not kids. I mean, everyone's Mm. enjoying it. Yeah. Um, Come on. (laughs) The program, people. I know, but it's not just because it's like a movie that everybody likes and everybody should go see. I think it's really feminist. I think it's really... I just think it's so powerful, especially for girls. Like, to me, I just think, fuck, if a movie like this had existed when I was a kid, my whole life would be different. Do you really think? I really think so, yeah. Well, it was... Yeah, it was great. I mean, I didn't move when I was young, yeah. but um, definitely, I think it, I don't know, showed emotions in a different way that you don't usually see, and explain them in a way, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but, I mean, showing that all emo- all emotions are valid, and it's mm-hmm. not just about being perfect, and, and that mm-hmm. could be a pressure that kids get today, Yeah, more than... Well, or that perfect is defined as happy. Right, because exactly. there's, there's an emotion, so in this girl's brain, the main, five main characters are joy, voiced by Amy Poehler, mm-hmm. um, sadness, I think voiced by Willis Smith, I want to say, something like Is that, that the, the, the secretary from The Office, yeah, yeah it's amazing, to yeah. me, she's just fucking, she's the best part of this movie, yeah, she's great, um, Bill Hader plays, um, uh, fear, uh, Louis Black plays, anger and Mindy Kaling plays disgust (laughs) and um it's so beautiful it's like I mean it's a visual metaphor that's not abstracted very much so and I love that they're like um I guess if you're gonna gender them but there's like both genders in your brain yeah yeah so there's a lot of things going on in this that are like pretty great and feminist like she's Blair, yeah. which I think 10 years ago you would not have seen. But I feel like her being like her being a hockey player and that not being a plot point is definitely like a come on Pixar, we need this from you kind of move. Like to me it's like strategically smart. Either but, way. But it's good. Yeah, it's ex- it's excellent at establishing that as like a normalized option for girls, for sure. And like, okay, of course, I mean, fuck. Of course, there's people out there who are like, it's very heteronormative and blah, and white and suburban and capitalist and blah. Yeah. Fuck. Of course it is. It's we have Disney. To, like, and, well, <laughs> I mean, whatever. They told... It's like a grain of salt, people, but come on. Like, yeah, they told one story. Yeah. They weren't telling ten stories. Exactly. So. And, like, well, really, I mean, they told one story, but really they told two stories. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie that was about two completely separate interweaving narratives that never overlapped, except for they were completely overlapping because they were two different views of the same thing. It's, I just think it's a very skillful, very excellent film. And for me, super moving because, I mean, I don't think it gives anything away. It's a little spoily, but I don't think it gives anything away to basically be that this movie helps to kind of emphasize and prioritize a place for sadness as a positive and helpful step in a child's life. Like, that there must be space for sadness to exist Mm -hmm. in order for people to feel... to get to joy or to get to the other emotions. Yeah, to feel resolution to get to joy. Yeah, like, that you have to experience all of them. And that's... Yeah, and so, I don't know. And it looks great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, 
I really for me, liked that wasn't the, the big deal though. Well, I mean, I liked that there were. It took some. I mean, if you're in a brain, obviously there's many different yeah. facets. But I, I really enjoyed the part where, um, it, it went to 2D. Totally. It went, to, it went to like different, Fun. you know, yeah, there's sort a of realms where, where they go into um, what do they call it? The sub, no, they go into like abstract thought, abstract and at some thought. point they, yeah. they realize they're in abstract thought, and then all of a sudden they get they do become more and more abstract. <laughs> <laughs> so they become two D, and then they become like flat lines. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so fun. Like there's a lot of interesting visual jokes too. And for me to, and this comes in the first sort of 30, 40 seconds of the film, so it's not spoiling anything. But there's so much about kind of the architecture of the brain and feelings and emotions that they've generated for the purposes of the film but which create a new level of understanding about thought and emotion in a way that I found really moving so for example um, they decided in the movie that there's these things called core memories and that core memories um, power um, little islands in your brain so like a core memory about for her the joy of hockey or whatever, like, creates hockey island in her brain. And these are, um, I, I can't even really remember the language anymore, but basically, um, they, these aren't necessarily stable entities. And that the shifting and changing of the feelings associated with memories can affect the whole structure, structure mm -hmm. of your way of associating with that experience anyway it's, this happens in the first 30 40 seconds <laughs> so well no but i mean the the existence of the islands well it just kind of explains yeah mm -hmm. they're the, the way layout they, literally of yeah, the brain the way they're laying it out super quickly with like a control room and like there's different islands for different like parts of your life and yeah they are powered by court i just think it's like very fun very clever very well acted very well drawn and to me like the you know the if there's one takeaway, it's it's that the kind of crux or the, the sort of what's that called? Like the linchpin for the plot where the person realizes that everything has to go a different way is a moment of empathy. Like empathy is what powers the plot in this movie. There's a point in the movie where a character just is experiencing is having a moment with another character where the other character is really sad and the one character just sort of says like, Yeah, that does sound really sad, like Sounds like you've been through a hard time, or whatever, and just like sits there and empathizes with them, and that's kind of a critical moment in that it's helpful. Fuck mm -hmm. it, people can learn how to do that from a young age. Like for the fact that this is a children's movie is what Who wrote this? blows my mind. The same people that wrote Up, so the Pixar people, but yeah, it's very cool. Deep. It's very. It's deep. very deep. There's oh, lots of it's levels. Very Pisces. I love it. <laughs> it's like okay. they want feelings I mean come on I tried to get Phil away he fell asleep oh my god well it's cause you're fucking watching a bootleg version like no it's cough cause up the five bucks on Tuesday he, he's one of these he can't well the he's a perfect example of somebody who could have benefited never mind <laughs> no I know but some people just don't won't watch a cartoon even if it's oh, like for adults that. yeah cause I really like Bobby Burgers he doesn't right. like that I mean I can't okay I can see that the only thing I would say is I mean I guess part of my view of all of that stuff shifted dramatically because I had a niece living in my house when I was a t when I was a in high school. So, kind of the role of kids' movies shifted for me as a teen. So I feel like my kind of sympathy towards sort of childish things is I have more patience for them now if they're really good. But 
I mean, even stuff that's like cartoons for adults. Like there are plenty of those. Right. right. Just some people, it's not their. Yeah, I'm a little bit like that. I would have to say, actually, yeah. don't. But I also think uh, Bob's Burgers. I don't know. What is I sometimes Bob's Burgers? like it, and it's I sometimes cartoons. don't like it at all. It's fun. Some people really like it. I like it. Rachel really likes it. Yeah. Okay, I feel like we've enthusiastically endorsed Inside Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katie hasn't seen it. Katie, what do you think? Do you want to see it? I definitely want to see it. Okay, you should go see it. If you want to see it, anytime, call me. I'm around. Did I tell you that I went to the Mad Max trilogy at the Rio Theater? <laughs> oh, mentioned. did you sit through back to back, Mad to back. Max? Back to, back to back, yeah. There was a point where after the second movie, we had to go take a breather outside and like suck ourselves up. Like, do we want to do this? Are we gonna see Tina Turner and we're gonna see the Thunderdome? Like, we're gonna see Mel Gibson. Again. I've never seen any of them, and I have no awareness of any of them. They never even occurred to me. Like, I don't know anything about Mad Max until this year when I met all these people, especially my friend Chris from the States, who's like been waiting his entire life for this film. Whoa. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's that kind of an experience. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, from what I've heard. Inside Out sounds much more profound. This is a movie about watching oh, in, in the desert loses shit a little, um, and there's lots of cars. So and then you watch the most <laughs> recent one at the end. Uh, we I actually watched that a week previous. Oh, okay, I see. Um, um, anyway, it was it was really enjoyable, but that's like a commitment that you have to make. Yeah. Are, are you going to sit through the backstory? Like the the newest one was intriguing enough that I went back. I don't think I would have done that. Yeah. Do you regret it? No, not at all. Actually, okay. because it was ridiculous. Okay. Also, they have grilled cheese sandwiches. That's there. true. <laughs> do you have that? <laughs> they do. I um when I saw the Oscars there, we went to the Oscars, right? No, I, I didn't go, but yeah. Oh okay. Oh, I went for Jungle. Um, that was really fun watching yeah. the Oscars at the Rio. And yeah, I think I was like really hungry when I got there because it's such a long show, and I got. Multiple grilled cheese sandwiches, I think. So good. The Rio is great. Can, like, Rio, can you just uh, sponsor the Sadcast? Because we're already shouting out. Well, the so Cinematheque already loves us. So, speaking of the Cinematheque, I'm also about great. to go, I'm about to preview this movie. And now Ooh. let me read their press release to you, sad, sad, sad people. Um, <laughs> because I'm going to preview this movie for sad, negotiate. But, um, okay, so this is a film called The Tribe, playing at the Cinematheque, from July 23rd to 27th, and then again on the 29th. Okay. The Cinematheque presents the exclusive first run of Ukrainian prodigy Miroslav controversial debut, The Tribe, 2014, a one-of-a-kind work presented entirely in unsubtitled Ukrainian sign language. A sensation on the festival circuit last year, it won three awards, including the Grand Prix, the Critics Week at Cannes, the tribe follows a young man newly arrived at a boarding school for the deaf as he's initiated into the rites and rituals of a brutal teenaged gang engaged in robbery, drugs, and prostitution. The film's raw violence and graphic sex have raised eyebrows, but the tribe's boldest stroke is that it unfolds through the nonverbal acting and sign language from a cast of deaf, non-professional actors without subtitles or voiceover, creating an unusually immersive, intensely active experience for hearing audiences. Interesting. Wow. Doesn't that sound amazing? I just so yes. heard about this today. It's called The Tribe. Yeah, so I'm going to see it. I, now, I personally don't actually feel qualified to be a film reviewer, so I feel like whatever review I have is just going to be like a series of words like, whoa. Ooh. <laughs> or just that like, is absolutely untrue. I'm going to be like, ball sack. No. <laughs> but I'll, can, I'll no. figure it out. Yeah, no, I want to do it just because I want to see this movie. So no, I feel it like looks that's great. the How interesting. This reminds me, um, I mean... Obviously, this sounds more intense and probably way 
more. It could be awful, person. though. Yeah, it could but be shitty. But the artist, remember that? Oh, yeah. Silent movie. Yeah. It's not sign language. I feel I mean, like it was, like, cute, though. But that gives me hope that I wouldn't be, like, lost. Because I don't oh, think no, initially, reading no. this, you're like, am I going to understand? But, right. But yeah. I mean, it's I mean, possible. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, you know... Like, the film school I went to was the least wanky version of a film school you can go to. It's like an eight-month intense production technique-based course at Langara. Like, it's not snobby wanky at all. And the concentration really is on practicality, like, literally, you know, using tripods, filming, editing, like, whatever. But we did spend a little time on some film theory stuff, and but not very much. And so, basically, like, my point of view about all of this stuff just comes from my own feelings, but... It seems to me like the point of all film is that you don't need sound. Like the pictures should tell the story for you. Like the action and the choices of the filmmaker, of the director, as well as obviously the choices of the actors and everyone else involved in the film. But then you're just negating screenwriters. Negative, negative. There's a script for this for sure. Like um, this isn't like two and a half hours well, of improvisation. No, There's a because script this here. Is, well, like I'm saying, this movie is written. Yeah. Yeah, but like. Um, like, you're negating the sound department and the score. I mean, there might be a score for this. I don't know. Oh, there's but, probably an amazing But the dialogue. Score. Dialogue's so important. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, a picture tells a story, right? And, like, 28 pictures a second, 24 pictures a second also tells a story. And what I'm saying is, like, I think pretty quickly you would lose your feeling of not, mm-hmm. not feeling like you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah. You, we are not typically aware of how much information we're understanding and receiving through the visuals we're being given, but that's the whole thing. Yeah. And you I guess know? that's, you know, probably the point they're making because these yeah. people are deaf and that's the world they live in constantly, but yeah, co- guess, more yeah. consciously than yeah. we are. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. hearing people. Um, I was just going to say, it sounds like it'll be cool, but... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was... Um, I guess let's wrap it up. We've got um, thing you remember from a podcast this week. Oh, I have a really gross one. Oh, well then don't do it. Oh, yeah, no, do it. It's vaginal, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, God, what podcast was it that I heard this from, though? That is the real question. Okay, well, you think about that. I'll go first. I'll go really quick. On the Slate Culture Gabfest, they recommended this... TV show that in North America, or really just in the States, has been on Amazon Prime. But in the UK, it's on Channel 4. You might be able to get it on 4OD. You for sure can download it on the stealing place of the internet. And if you set your computer to be lying that you're in America, you can watch the first episode on Amazon in the States. Um, The show is... So it's just six episodes. It's called Catastrophe. Mm. And it's written by and starring Rob Delaney of Funniest Person on Twitter and um, this other woman whose name I don't remember right now. Her name on the show is her name on the thing and I can't remember. Fuck. Anyway, it's excellent. It's a really nice show. They're like half hour episodes. It's basically, the premise is basically like a shotgun wedding. Like it's like a couple who have a one night stand in their late 30s. Um, He's from the States. She's from the UK she's from Ireland but they, she lives in London and then she gets pregnant and then they decide to like what's the name of this get her catastrophe 
Okay. So be careful if you're going to go to, like, say, Pirate Bay and download all six episodes, then the first episode is actually, like, some weird TV show about catastrophes. <laughs> but what? Episode two through six are, in fact, the show. Yeah. Why would someone do that? I, don't, I think it was just a quirk that I didn't notice, but anyway. Mm. The first show is easier to watch online, just streaming off of whatever, but the next, the rest of them are, like, paywalled. Got it. Anyway, Catastrophe, it's fantastic. Okay. They really liked it at the Culture Gap Fest, so I was like, if they all really like something, then I'll usually check it out, because <laughs> I like it. It's a good barometer, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I remember what this thing came from. Yeah. Um, Death, Sex, and Money. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually, I guess they were replaying an old one, but then adding new information, but I never remember the first one. It was, um, they're talking with a funeral um, director, uh, mortician, I guess, and I guess he's like very active on Twitter, and he had tweeted um, a photo of, of um, a cadaver? A, a, no, um, it's a vaginal screw, and he, with the caption, um, the last screw you'll ever have. And I guess they put in screws to your orifices, which, this is stuff we don't know, right? Wait, what? Yeah, okay, so like if you are gonna not be, I guess, uh, cremated. cremated, and you're gonna be in a coffin, they put screws in your butt and your veg so that the stuff doesn't leak out. Knowing that, I mean, I already wanted to be cremated, but now knowing this, I definitely do. You want to get your asshole sewn shut for eternity? Can you believe? And these are things that... Is that, okay, wait, is that, like, 100% super, super normal, that's the way it is everywhere, and just no one talks about it? No one talks about it. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like these are the details that you do not need to know. Right. Yeah, Um, I buy that, actually. And, yeah, that's... Yeah, I didn't need to know that, but now that I do, I can unknow it. (laughs) I can't unknow it. Imagine, imagine, honestly though, you think your job sucks? Imagine sewing dead assholes together. Well, I mean, uh, uh, together. Like sewing an asshole shut. You made it sound like you're sewing two people's asses together. Oh my god. Well, he was saying, I mean, that burnout rate is very high. <laughs> yeah, like like if like you hear the last <laughs> ten years, you're there. Really read well on a resume. Yeah, gross. No, that doesn't. No, that does not read well. Gross. Ah, uh, I couldn't do that job. It's a tricky no. one. Although I do remember, like when I was in youth group as a teen, one of the our like youth leaders was friends with someone who was a funeral director and we were volunteering for several years at that point at a old folks home on like Thursday nights going like driving people down for bingo and like putting on a bingo <laughs> driving everybody back up and just the youth leader thought it was like a good idea for us to orient ourselves with the idea that someone probably was going to die that we were volunteering with and so took us on a field trip to a um, funeral home like absent of the context of someone having died, which I was really grateful for in retrospect. Like, I think actually everybody should probably go through that experience of not experiencing the drama or the grief of someone's death and being in a death-related No, that would bum me out. It was awful, especially when they showed us where they cremate people. (laughs) Like, I'll never forget that. But still, you know, like, for me, it was educational. Like, it was really interesting to kind of see what people go through. I never liked any of that. I mean, I know it's all important. Well, of course you're not going to like it, but the point is, is... Oh, no. Being exposed to it, I think, yeah. was helpful for me. No, Not that it would have made it any less sad. If that would have turned me into like a tailspin of like 
fantasies of people dying and then having mm-hmm. to deal with it and then having a panic attack. Like, that's what would have right. happened to me as a child. Like, whenever we had, like, the fire mm-hmm. um, drills and stuff, or earthquake, just... So you're very suggestive. Well, yeah, well, I, just my imagination would go and... Mm. There would be the week of me, like, not sleeping, because, like, the earthquake's going to happen now. Mm. What am I going to do? Better be wearing something cute. (laughs) I don't even know, but yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I was a little bit like that, too. Not so much that my imagination would run away, but I think I was always a little bit of a dark child anyway. Not dark, like, sitting there imagining doomsday scenarios, but I always had a little bit of anxiety, (laughs) even as a nine-year-old, and so... I remember for a really long time after probably too much Rescue 911 with William Shatner, like being really paranoid that our house was going to burn down or that there was going to be a carbon monoxide leak and we were all going to die in our sleep. Yeah. So I had a long time as a teen where I was, I had like insomnia because I just was so stressed. Couldn't sleep. I had a relaxation tape that was like, like a beach, you know, like wave sounds and like Patchel Bell Cannon. It was like 22 minutes on each side. I remember. Because I'd often have to flip it. Oh, Or I'd just be like, well, restful. I guess it's been 45 minutes and I'm still not asleep. <laughs> I think seeing as a kid on this really unlikely scenario that a boa constrictor would come into my room and squeeze me to death. That's interesting. Do you know where that came from? I really liked watching Animal Channel. There you go. So you that go. could be it. But here's the weird part is that for years I practiced, like, as I was, like, falling asleep how I would breathe if I was being squeezed to death by a boa constrictor. Oh, that'll fuck you up. If you start thinking about your breathing, <laughs> you're never going to go to sleep. <laughs> Disagree. But, so, the technique was, because boa constrictors, what they do is every time you exhale, they get tighter. And then you can't, you can't take in more air. And so I practiced, like, sticking it on my stomach really far, and then breathing, but keeping my stomach in that same position. Fuck, man, you must have, like, abs of steel. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Julie Michaels and Bella. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's so. Our kids pick up on the weirdest shit. How often I practice that. Amazing. So. No, but didn't that fuck you up? I remember when I started thinking about breathing as a kid, like mm. falling asleep, no. and then I was like too aware of it, and then I like couldn't sleep because I was like too aware of my own breathing. I was very breathing has been more of a restorative I thing. think for most people. Like, I think ultimately, yeah. I mean, I think even now, even, like, there was a night last week, and I was staying out at this cabin. I was house-sitting for two weeks, and um, it's in the middle of nowhere, really. And um, I had thought before I left that I might get nervous about, I don't know, coyotes or bears or some fucking shit, but because I was staying with multiple animals, including two big Hounds. I it, I actually felt quite safe, but one night I for I don't know why I just couldn't get to sleep for like hours. Like I was sure it was hours, and then at some point I just was kind of like I don't know. For me, when I get to that place, where I'm like Jesus Christ. Like you've already like masturbated. Like you can't. There's nothing you can do. Where you're like, should I go smoke some weed? Like it's like two in the morning. Like I'll just fuck up all the animals. Like what am I gonna do? I just waited out forever. When the, it's times like that where I'm just like, okay, let's do the thing where we just think about breathing for a couple minutes. It just usually that'll carry me away, but yeah, I don't even think that much. I had some kind of leg cramp. It was very stressful. 
eventually I fell asleep. My poor cat was like, what the fuck is going on? It's sleep time right now. <laughs> Do you have any sleep tricks? Sleep tricks? You know, I'm so lucky. I have a really good repertoire of sleep. Sleep and I love each other. I sleep a lot. Okay. Um, but once, like, once a year, I would say, I call it missing the sleep tree. <laughs> I just miss it. Like, I had an opportunity. There was a window where I was tired and I should have gone to sleep. Hmm. And then it was just gone. It just disappeared the whole night? Yeah, I just won't. I won't sleep. What? So, like, That's amazing. they're so opposite. I sleep so good every night. But then once in a blue moon, I just can't sleep huh. at all. Actually, maybe, maybe well, maybe you sleep exceptionally well, and like we're like programmed to like not sleep that well sometimes. So you just like used up, uh, like you were just awake because you were just yeah. you you were rested. Yeah, yeah, it's totally possible. I don't know. Whoa. Also, maybe. alternate definite alternate theory. So you know how we have leap years because the measurement of year is like not actually accurate <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of. Mm-hmm. The equality of time over whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they pack on this other day once every four years because actually we're, we go out of sync technically by a quarter of a day every year. Right. And so they just pack on another day every four years. And so maybe you're... It seems like it happens more you said once a year, so mm-hmm. maybe you're compensating for a quarter of a day by staying up all night. It's the same thing. We said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I just mean more like, you think it's because she, like, has achieved something personally by, like, appropriately sleeping as a human is evolved to do. And I'm more like, multiple universes are involved in... Okay. And dimensions. Too. Yeah. Multiple. They're not unrelated, I suppose. I do um, like the checklist of things that you go through. The tactics to, in order to try and fall back asleep. Yeah. I used to always fall asleep listening to music, actually, and then once I started having live-in partners, that kind of fell away, and I never really picked it back up again, mm-hmm. especially after that one time. <laughs> I don't know how well the story will work on the, on the radio, but... So I was living in Japan, and I had really big headphones, and, you know, like the kind you put over both ears. And uh, I was living in Japan, and I you know, had a normal bed, whatever, and, but my headphones were kind of sort of on the ground next to my bed, where my lamp was. And so at night I would, you know, take my fucking, I don't know, iPod or Discman, I don't really remember, and, you know, play something. But this one particular night I went to grab my headphones, and just as I was about to put them on my head, so they're like really just in front of my face, um, a pretty healthy um, centipede crawls out from inside the ear it's like resting Whoa. in the ear of my heart and jumps out. And Japanese centipedes, or millipedes, centipedes, if you don't know, are poisonous. Not kill you poisonous, but like hurt you poisonous. And also like move very fast, as they probably do in all countries, and are very difficult to kill, actually. And so it was like truly, truly frightening. That's horrific. And pretty much stopped me from sleeping with giant headphones on. Oh my god. Or at least oh, got you to look terrible. in them. Oh my god. Oh my yeah. God. Nothing goes near my ears without a deep inspection. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope. It's a nightmare. Nightmare scenario. Well, imagine my surprise when I wake up at three in the morning and my lip is the size of like an inflatable donut. Oh. Did you feel, could you feel it? That something was weird? Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally woke up and just felt like I had a growth on my face. But then to real because at first I didn't. <laughs> at first I didn't. 
I thought, I'm like, I have no idea what this could be. And it wasn't itchy. I couldn't feel anything. So I didn't assume that it was yeah. a, a bug bite. Yeah. But now, two days later, after being like, did I eat a shrimp dim sum? Where did the dim sum come from? <laughs> what could I be allergic to? This little itchy little bite has come up. Yeah. And wear it now that it's un undone. And I'm like, did I... Did I eat a spider? Did it bite me and Jesus then I Christ. ate it? And how big was it that it made my lip that big? Ew. I know. It's really I horrible to think about all the bugs that have been in our like noses and mouths for years. Yeah. <laughs> but disgusting. Not up our assholes. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, gross. What should this episode be called? It's like the inside out and then some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> inside out and upside down. I believe I've played on the podcast before her song White Poppy is actually Crystal Dorval or Dorval and um, I played Existential Angst off of her first EP or off of an earlier EP um, on, on an earlier sadcast but now she has a new album called Natural Phenomena I'm going to play the song called Confusion which is the first single off of it which I fucking love and I think you will too and it's very dreamy and
Christmas and stuff like that. That was Confusion by White Poppy. Fuck, I love that song. Um, see, look, I played it. I bought it. Mm, today. And you played it 49 How times? How is it possible? No, I bought it yesterday. I played no, it but still. Times. It's because I listened to it on repeat. Wow. In my car and in here and the lot. Oh, I can't do that. That would ruin a song for me. It's a beautiful song, though. I don't know. When you do that, though, like, is there a threshold and then you can't listen anymore? Or it just... I think we discussed this in the last podcast. For oh, me, yeah, that's I how can't... a song gets through. Is if it survives the obsession period. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. how I do my whole life, actually. I guess I'm always surprised if the magic plays yeah. in a short period. In fact, I'm very excited because my most played song ever, which you know is Night Cadet, yeah. is almost at a thousand. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> Sleep by Night Cadet, a band that's n- not even real. You should tweet them. No, they're real. real. They are real. I just think that they don't, I'm pretty sure they don't exist anymore, but. Oh, maybe they put on in your dreams. Ba- other bands. There's a lot of dream metaphors going on here. Sleep. Sleep. Yes. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Pisces. Um, does anybody need to know anything? Oh, we didn't even fucking talk about the movement issue. Okay, so you have to. Like, uh, talk about it for 20 seconds and we'll maybe put it on the front of the show. You know, something. we can talk about it next time. So we'll get another one done. We'll talk about movement, which is the next issue. So for right and now, we'll just tease movement. Yeah, and it'll be out then. Yeah. And then we can tell you about it. Great. Awesome. Oh, thank you awesome. for having me. Thank you for being had. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for having me. I hope I did a great job. Oh, you're great. Uh, thanks for oysters. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>